Hey, Chris from the Mighty Decibel here. We have five Mondays in October this year, so today we'll be inserting a discography review in place of our regular scheduled new releases series. And a big one we have for you today, we'll be investigating the discography of the greatest guitar showman of all time, the mighty Ted Nugent. So as usual, for our discography reviews, we'll only be reviewing original studio recordings, no compilations or live recordings included, with one exception in this case, for good reason, as you'll find out later in the episode. We'll supply a snippet of a track from each album so you get a feel for the evolution and sound as the discography progresses. That said, we should be able to complete this review in under an hour. So throughout the early 70s, Nugent toiled with the Amboy Dukes, making inroads in some pockets of the states, but clearly not making the big time. So by the mid-70s, the Whackmaster decided to strike out on a solo career, taking Amboy Dukes bassist Rob Grange along with him. And filling out the four-piece was Cliff Davies on drums and Derek St. Holmes on vocals and guitar. So right out of the gate, the band strike gold, or platinum, I should say, given the two million sales in the U.S. of the self-titled debut record in 1975. So opening the record was the elongated, now highly revered Stranglehold, complete with funky bass line and many guitar solos, still seen as the highlight of a Motor City Madman concert by many a fan. Personally, I always found the track a little too long and slow burning for my taste, preferring the early metal pounders found in copious quantity, the uh, cruise missile uh, stormtrooping, the celebratory just what the doctor ordered, the caffeinated Motor City Madhouse, and the thumping queen of the forest. Add the cruising for a bruising smooth rocker, snakeskin cowboys, the radio friendly hey baby, and the underrated toe tapping rocker. Where You Been All My Life, and you have a record chock full of variety and great tracks. The lone holdout here is the out of place You Make Me Feel Right at Home, a psych jazz booger best forgotten. So on the strength of this debut, his high octane live shows and opening slots on Aerosmith Arena gigs, it didn't take long for the Nugent band to start making a name for themselves. So this debut is undoubtedly an early American metal hard rock classic that should be in your record collection, a perfect 10 out of 10. While the iron was hot, the Nuge lashed out one year later in 1976 with his sophomore solo record, Free For All. So the riff-heavy title track kicks things off in celebratory style with the Nuge himself at full roar at the mic. The classic doggy dog follows Derek St. Holmes providing the dramatic storytelling on this groove-heavy hard rocker. 
Next up, writing on the wall, and we're already on to our third lead vocalist. In this case, the totally unexpected Meatloaf stepping forward, fitting in perfectly here and on four other side two tracks. In this specific case, the Meat provides vocals for a mid-tempo tra uh, track with funky bass line. In essence, an updated and to these ears superior uh, stranglehold, as it were. Side one comes to a close with the early metal stormer, Turn It Up, complete with a high energy St. Holmes vocal. And then side two opens with two meatloaf sung tracks, first being the Dangerous Street Rats, another groove heavy track akin to the earlier Dog Eat Dog. And that's followed by the relatively subdued but emotional Together, where meatloaf is allowed to really shine. So on to track three where things are more upbeat with the playful Light My Way with St. Holmes back at the mic. And then next up, Hammer Down, my fave track on the whole platter along with Turn It Up. Finds the whole band laying it down hard and fast, yet another underrated early Nuge track. And ending the record on another high is I Love You to So I Told You a Lie, uh, complete with some of the Motor City Madman's best lead guitar work on the record. So while the inclusion of three lead vocalists may bring concerns about how the package would hang together, after some 47 years of listening to this, I can safely say it's not a problem. <laughs> this is truly a classic Nuge record, and in my books, another 10 out of 10. And personally, I prefer this one over the debut, being more consistent with better production. The fans loved it as well, as it sold another two times platinum in the States. Turn it up, turn it up! Missing on the Nuge solo resume after two albums was a hit single, but that was quickly taken care of with the title track opener on 1977's Cat Scratch Fever, a playful ode to sexually transmitted diseases. The potty mouth continues on track two with the classic Wang Dang Sweet Poon Tang, an upbeat hard rocker with the Nuge promising to yank on it one more time for a fabulous lead guitar solo for the ages. Meatloaf being sent adrift and back, uh, the band back to its original four-piece. St. Holmes takes over the mic from here on out, first being the tough street tale Death by Misadventure, followed by the more laid-back Live It Up. And then side one is closed out by Homebound, an instrumental that I religiously played on my Walkman whenever I was on a road trip back home from university. On to side two, where we're met with working hard, playing hard, an atypical complex rocker, uh, bassist Rob Lagrange taking center st stage on this one. Sweet uh, Sally follows, kicking ass, a high tempo early metal rager opining about a talented <clears throat> young lass. And then tempos are then brought down for a thousand knives, allowing St. Holmes to lean into the vocal for this groove heavy rocker. 
And then the album is uh, closed out by two high-octane burners, Fist Fighting Son of a Gun and Out of Control, bringing the best side of Nugent material ever put to tape. Beyond Classic, yeah, that good. So altogether, yet another 10 out of 10, three in a row for the Woodsman. In fact, I still claim that this is the best Nuge platter of all time, and no, not because of the title track hit single. I'd say that's the worst song on the album. Now, this simply is the best series of uh, tracks of the Whackmaster's career, along with his best overall lead guitar performance. This record really shines the light on his phenom- uh, phenomenal guitar histrionics. If you're only going to own one Nuge record, this should be the one. And sales in the U.S. spiked up to three million for this one. Yep, ten out of ten. the successful Double Live Gonzo record, so ends the Mach 1 version of the band, as both St. Holmes and Grange leave the band, with Charlie Hun taking over St. Holmes' role. So Weekend Warriors comes out a year later, 1978, complete with Ted wielding a guitar machine gun on the cover, subtly be damned I guess, uh, seemingly stating, this is my band! So unfortunately Side 1 proves to be the worst side of solo Nuge to date, inconsistency uh, biting down hard. Uh, the Need You Bad leadoff was a thinly veiled attempt at a hit single that didn't capture the airwaves despite containing some great lead guitar work. One Woman lamely follows with its slowed down cat scratch fever song references and mid-paced blues chord not capturing the listener's attention. But hot damn, that's followed by I Got the Feelin', a rip-snorting track with Ted in full vocal assault, amazing. However, the momentum is quickly lost by the campy throwaway tight spots, the worst track in the Nuge discography to that point, utter crap. <laughs> so luckily the side is closed by a very cool atypical dark rocker called Venom Soup. Flip the record over and we're, we're met with Smokescreen, yet another attempt to create Stranglehold Part 2. It's actually not bad given its relative brevity, but still kind of redundant. However, the rest of Side 2 is made up of Grade A Nuge Humpsters. The up-tempo fun, uh, fun time Tuttle track, the hyper-speeded Cruisin', and another two atypical tracks, uh, one an anthemic party rocker and the other another dark rocker. So altogether a mixed bag compared to previous releases, but still stack with many a worthy track for inclusion in your best ofs. So additionally, the production is a little too mainstream vanilla, and while the Motor City Madman's guitar work is good here, it doesn't quite reach the levels found on the previous two opuses. 
Hard to score this one, but I'm going to land on an 8 out of 10. Walter Monahan takes over base duties, but otherwise the Weekend Warriors team is kept intact for the State of Shock record one year later in 1979. Paralyzed opens up proceedings in fine form, amped up and caffeinated with some terrific wah-wah guitar work from our fave hunter and gatherer. Things then lighten up a bit for the upbeat rocker Take It or Leave It, which includes a psychedelic chorus section. Inexplicably, a power ballad claims the number three spot, draining the life out of side one. It's not a bad track, but it would have been made more sense to have it placed late on side two. The high string boogie of It Don't Matter brings life back while the side is closed out by the title track, a mid tempo dark rocker akin to Venom Soup and Name Your Poison off Weekend Warriors. Then another misstep as the open side two with a fairly innocuous cover of George Harrison's I Want to Tell You. Satisfied follows yet another in a long line of stranglehold type of tracks with its elongated guitar section. Luckily though, the album is closed out by three terrific songs, a Boogie Rocker, the Slammin' Snake Charmer, and the Hard Boogie Ripper Saddle Sore. So overall, the sound is a little bit heavier, but some of the tracks don't hold up their end. Uh, Ted was going through a rough divorce at this time, so maybe his head uh, wasn't totally in the game. So similar to Weekend Warriors, an album of highs and lows, one which I'd give an 8 out of 10. Although if I had to pick between the two, I'd lean more towards Warriors as the superior record. Tellingly, sales in the U.S. stalled at gold, the first solo record not to achieve diamond status sending an ominous message heading into the 80s for the Motor City Madman. change at the bass position as Dave Kiswini steps in a year later for Scream Dream in 1980. 
While some people may have thought that the Motor City Madman was beginning to slow down after the last two albums, Scream Dream smacked him upside the head showing Ted wasn't losing the plot. In fact, side one is likely the heaviest side of any in his discography. So opening festivities is the over-the-top and silly Wango Tango with an overlong carnival barker midsection, in my opinion, which then is followed by an absolutely face-melting title track with Ted and full vocal roar. That's followed by the mid-tempo pounder, hard as nails, then the rock and roller, I gotta move, but they saved the best for last, that being Violent Love, one of the most underrated tracks of the whole discography, a heavy-ass song that acts as the coup de grace for the side. Side 2 starts out strongly with the quick-picking, rhythmically heavy Flesh and Blood, the sexually explicit rocker Spit It Out, and the fast-paced rock and roller Come and Get It, uh, the latter vocal provided by drummer Cliff Davies. Terminus El Dorado follows an odd, atypical storytelling track uh, that brings down the side, in my opinion. However, the album is closed out by Don't Cry, I'll Be Back when uh, Before You Know It, Baby, a happy, light rock and roller. So overall, Scream Dream represented a more vitriolic, pissed-off Ted for the world to see. The production was heavier, the tracks on whole more abrasive, and Ted vocalizing harshly over seven of the ten tracks. Uh, Hun was limited to two on here for some reason. Definitely an up-ratcheting compared to the two previous releases, meaning I'd rate this one a 9 out of 10 on our scoring scale. The last Nuge record to achieve gold status in the States. Nugent spent a ton of time on the road in 1980 in support of his minor hit album Scream Dream, and as usual, he road-tested a bunch of new tracks in the live setting throughout the tour. However, this time, he decided to bundle together 10 of these tracks, recorded in 10 different cities as a live album. Hence, Intensities in 10 Cities, great album title, <laughs> was issued a year later in 1981. Uh, the previous working title was supposed to be you can't be what you'd eat or I'd be you, baby. <laughs> so considering the popularity of his double live Gonzo record and his reputation as a hot live act, I guess Ted and his accountants thought that this idea would work with the body public. Unfortunately, sales did not come to pass for a number of reasons. First, the production is lacking. The band sounding muffled, taking away the power that drives any good Nugent live show. Secondly, the release is wildly inconsistent in the song quality department. On the one hand, you have the A-plus graded My Love Is Like a Tire and Iron, the opening headbanger Put Up or Shut Up, and the powerful rocker Heads Will Roll. Good stuff. But on the other hand, you have a bunch of underwritten, underbaked tracks that are obviously not ready for prime time. 
There's the silly rock and roll throwaway, the flying lip lock, a useless cover of Fats Domino's Land of a Thousand Dances. But the award for the lamest track on offer has to be given to the Purell banal rock and roller of I Am a Predator. <laughs> Inexcusable. Somebody in the camp should have had the balls to kibash this release, or at least trim it down to an EP. Hardcore fans like me knew this was a throwaway cash grab type of release that tarnished his reputation big time. Ted would never be looked at the same way by the general headbanging populace. He should have spent more time in the wild catching critters. One big mistake. I give this a 5 out of 10. After the abysmal and lame Intensities record, Ted returns to action a year later, thankfully with Derek St. Holmes back in the fold. However, original drummer Cliff Davies was no longer in place, re- uh, replaced by ex-Vanilla Fudge, Rod Stewart Pounder, Carmen Apice. Despite the lineup changes, the album bombed once again, this time for different reasons. First, the production on this thing is just too tame, neutering the power of the songs in many cases. The rhythm guitar is just too low in the mix, lacking the necessary oomph for this type of hard rock and fair. Secondly, for the first time on record, Ted disclosed his patriotic side on Bound and Gagged, to which the mainstream press immediately lashed out against. So while he was previously a media darling due to his no booze and no drug lifestyle, the media now blacklisted him. It was tantamount to being one of the first cases of cancellation that took place before the internet era. Putting these items aside, I stand alone in the wilderness loudly proclaiming that this record is an unheralded and underappreciated gem of a platter. Look past the inferior production, and there you have a strong batch of well-conceived and performed tracks. It's obvious that time was spent on perfecting these ditties. Uh, Check out the mean rocker Fightin' Words, the catchy hard rock of opener No 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 and Ebony, the tough rock and roll of Don't Push Me and We're Gonna Rock Tonight. This is a great Nugent record. I saw this tour from the second row, no less, and I can attest that a number of these tracks came alive in the live environment, the Nugent band delivering them hot and sweaty. If this release was recorded with the same balls out energy, it would have come across much better. Not surprisingly, this stalled at number 51 on the Billboard 200 at the time. Regardless, I would uh, give this an, uh, an 8 out of 10 on par with Weekend Warriors and State of Shock. I am an outlier on this rating though.
later, the Motor City Madman returns without St. Holmes, replacing him with the smooth and soulful Brian Howe at the mic, uh, soon to join Bad Company thereafter. Ominously, though, for the first time, there's a keyboard player listed, along with a bunch of outsider writing credits, including Brian Adams and Jim Valance. So being a hardcore Nuge fan, the last thing I wanted to hear was Uncle Ted being neutered and forced to play some form of 80s hair metal. With trepidation, I put needle plastic and was pleasantly surprised by the first 15 minutes of side one. Like Blackfoot's excellent Siogo, here was a case where a hard rock band retained its core heaviness despite it being delivered in a more commercial manner. Sure, the tracks were obviously more radio-friendly, but there was an underlying intensity, and more importantly, Nuge as a guitarist was on fire. This was some of his finest fretwork in years, and uh, Howe's vocal performance was professional and assured being a great fit for this type of material. However, the side is closed out by an abysmal Go Down Fighting, a track written by Robin George. Side 2 starts off slowly with two Nugent Pen uh, tracks, the lyrically uh, silly Thunder Thighs and the underwritten funkster No Man's Land, before being saved by the concluding three tracks, the radio-friendly Blame It On The Night, the upbeat rock and roller, lean mean rock and roll machine, and incredulously Take Me Home, an introspective totally valid rock ballad. So despite the obvious radio-friendly approach, though, Penetrator stalled at number 56 on the Billboard charts. At the time, I had a major push-pull reaction to this record. Uh, Part of me wanted to rail against the demasculation of my fave caveman. But on the other hand, there was no doubting this type of professionally polished record was an interesting branch in the road for the Motor City Madman. It's no wonder that the Damn Yankees collaboration that was to follow was so successful. After some 39 years living with this, it has settled in as a 7.5 on my scoring scale, although I could be convinced to upratchet it to an 8 if given a push. After another two-year hiatus, Nugent comes back with a totally overhauled band, the main addition being singer-guitarist Dave Amato, who eventually moved onto the REO Speedwagon camp thereafter. This was definitely a continuation of the hair metal experiment of Penetrator, complete with outside writers on three of ten tracks. Problem being that the radio-ready material is inferior compared to Penetrator, and the vocals definitely a step down from Brian Howe's lusty approach. Whether it was Amato's faceless clean vocals or Nugent's attempts at Funkmeister on that title track, this album screams for the need of a better vocalist. Additionally, the oh-so-70s-80s drum sound is off-putting, verging on irritating. 
could have been a drum machine. And when the keyboards appear, they take over instead of enhancing the sound, making these tracks come across as fluff. That being said, there are a few tracks that you can extract from here. Uh, Crazy Ladies goes full on speed metal. Painkiller is a great hard rocker that builds in intensity, topped off by the album's best guitar work. Then there's the guilty pleasure of the pop rocker My Little Red Book, a Burt Bacharach cover, believe it or not. Little Miss Dangerous found some radio airplay uh, with the title track, but it didn't translate into sales as the album plummeted to number 76 on the Billboard charts, deservedly in my opinion. I never ever reach for this album that is not only sucks in my opinion, but it also reminds me of an era of the Whack Masters career that I prefer to forget. 5 out of 10. with a motto still in tow two years hence in 1988 for the if you can't lick em, lick em outing. It's clear right out of the gate that the slick 80s experiment of the last two records has been jettisoned, returning now to a more basic guitar-focused sound that old-school Nuge fans were yearning for. Problem is that the songwriting just isn't there. While side one contains four Nuge rockers and one slow burner track a la Stranglehold, the 20 minutes just come and go with no real highlights. So, so yeah, it's great that Uncle Ted has come to his senses and returned to his bass sound, but this faceless, bland material just doesn't cut it. Honestly, the best track is side two opener Spread Your Wings, a moody epic piece with some great work from our uh, fave caveman. The rest of the side is taken up by weak rockers with the album being closed by a pandering radio track written with the accounting firm of John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora. Yuck. I also should note that this is the first record where Ted takes on uh, the vocal duties on all the tracks. Truthfully, he does a good job, but there isn't much he could do to make this material shine. So this is yet another record that I rarely reach for in the Nugent canon, but I'd still place this above the previous Little Miss Dangerous. Let's give it a 6 out of 10 and move on out of the 80s, shall we? Don't be scared, you get too high 
the 80s wounded our fave outdoorsman, but he found solace and fame joining the damn Yankee supergroup with Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades. After two successful outings and one cancelled record, Nugent returned to his solo venture with Spirit of the Wild in 1995. Great to see Derek St. Holmes back in the band, taking on lead vocals for half of the 12 songs. So yeah, a correction from the previous release where Nuge solely took on the vocals. Secondly, the outsider writers have been jettisoned, leaving this as a true band-written and performed outing. In fact, seven of the tracks are co-writes between Nugent and St. Holmes. Third, the production is bang on, back to focusing on the strident rhythm section and guitar, definitely referring back to the first three records, but I'd say superior given the advance in technology. That said, most critics and fans seem to dismiss this record, but I vehemently disagree with their assessment. Sure, there are three inferior tracks in the latter half, but take these out of the equation and you're still left with some 45 minutes of primo and very nuge warfare. There's the attitude-dripping shit-kickers, kiss my ass and just do it like this. I shoot back, a psych rocker that reminds me of prime Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush, and the funky, catchy, upbeat love jacker that should have been embraced by the radio. And then there's a handful of other strong tracks as backup strength on this outing. Forget the haters and look into this one, especially suggested for those who love the early records. A welcome return to form for the Motor City Madman, 8 out of 10. Another seven-year hiatus before the Whackmaster returns in 2002 with Craveman, bringing a crack lineup to the table. On bass and one lead vocal is Marco Mendoza, a thin Lizzy white snake vet, and Tommy Clufato, soon-to-be Black Sabbath Aussie drummer. Ted must have been gorging on red meat and hoarding these tracks over that period because this album finds him and the band in full roar. Seriously, this is as heavy or heavier than any of his heyday albums. Even better, the songwriting is fully fledged, the band muscular, and it smacks of attitude for miles. Check out Raw Dogs and War Hogs, Cluster Funky, and Change My Sex for some top-notch nuge metal that'll tear your head off. Then reach for the anti-establishment mid-tempo stomper, Damned If You Do, and Defiant Rockers, I Won't Go Away, and Going Down Hard. Friggin' amazing. In total, 12 of the 14 tracks are A1 new romps that find Uncle Ted in a positive frame of mind, deciding to kick the world's ass once again with a defiant middle finger salute. Totally out of the blue, here we have the Motor City Madman back at the very top of his game, producing an album that sits as my third favorite album of his discography. 
just below cat scratch fever and free for all yeah that good ignore at your peril now if they'd only put this out on vinyl perfect 10 out of 10. Mendoza is replaced by Barry Sparks of UFO, MSG, and Dawkin fame five years later in 2007 for Love Grenade. So the original cover art of a naked lady on a platter with a grenade in her mouth was replaced with a painting of a grenade with a pink ribbon. Our man Ted not being the most subtle of characters. The sound has been retained from the Craveman opus, bringing to mind the tough guitar rock sound of the early albums, and there's tons of room for Uncle Ted to display his guitar prowess, especially on the elongated blues workout of Lay With Me that ends the release. The strength of song isn't quite up to par compared to the amazing Craveman, though, but there are still three A1 workouts here. Still Raising Hell, another speed rocker similar to the previous albums Raw Dogs and War Hogs, along with Stand and Broadside, two kick-ass, proudly independent TED workouts. Additionally, there are five other strong tracks that act as support, leaving five other ditties that are acceptable but not up to the par with the other eight. So sure, Love Grenade is a step down from Crave Man, but it's still a potent record for uh, of hard-hitting guitar rock that's pretty hard to find these days. So yep, another strong record to add to the Motor City Madman's discography late in the game. Give this one an eight. change at the base position some seven seven years later for 2014 shut up and jam with greg smith taking over and derek st holmes returns on rhythm guitar and one lead vocal from a sound perspective this is a carbon copy of the previous two tough packages so no complaints from this new jaholic on that front on the songwriting front it's also an extension of love grenade providing a good variety of tedly sounds through its 13 tracks 
the action-packed rock and roll title track opens, followed by a dark rocker, uh, rocker similar to something off Weekend Warriors. Then St. Holmes steps up to the mic for a pop rock ditty before Sammy Hagar appears sharing vocals with the Nuge on the jammy She's Gone, a good opening salvo. However, things really heat up on the latter half with tricky instrumental throttle down, then the rhythmically tough rocker do rags and a 45, followed by the speedy rocker screaming eagles. That's followed by the military Semper Fi before turning to some Tedly rhythm and blues of Trample the Weak and Hurdle the Dead, an amazing 16-minute run of par excellence, snooge fried rock and roll. So yeah, the 2Ks find Ted in good spirit and performance, this being the third great record in a row in the new millennium. From a scoring perspective, I give this a 9, placing it just below Craveman and slightly above Love Grenade. number 15 the music maybe do it was issued four years later in 2018 on drums we have youngster jason heartless while greg smith retains the bass duties Derek st holmes nowhere to be found unfortunately i'm going to get straight to the point on this one the music maybe do it is a steep decline in quality compared to the previous three records there are only five new tracks herein one of which is musically too damn close to stormtrooping to these ears all of which open this album, that's some 14 plus minutes of new material. Adding to this is that there aren't any A1 ditties to be found, the funky speed rocker Dirty Fun Groove Noise coming closest to primetime Ted, and further, the intensity of the previous three records is notably absent. The back half of the record is made up of backstrap fever, cat scratch fever with new lyrics, and three new versions of songs previously issued as singles or on the Hunt Music EP, the Sunrise instrumental being the best of the bunch. So whether it was laziness, writer's block, or time constraints to be blamed for this lackluster outing, I'm not sure. Maybe it was just cobbled together at the last minute as an accompaniment for a live DVD it was issued with. I don't know. But one thing I do know, this is the most most definitely the worst record of the Uncle Ted's 2K's discography. Forgettable. Give this a six.
bringing us up to date as of the recording of this episode is 2022's Detroit Muscle, the Motor City Madman's 17th solo venture. On the minus side, the dip in intensity pervading the last record is maintained here. The majority affair here sitting in the rock and roll vein rather than the hard rock or proto metal of old. That said, feedback grind fire is one guitar feedback filled noise fest, reminding everyone that he can still drop the gloves when he wants to. On the positive side, more time and care has obviously been spent on the songwriting. No rewrites of hits or new versions of old tracks to be found. The only non-original newies being a heroic guitar version of the Star Spangled Banner, which finishes off the record. It's obvious Ted was in a good frame of mind when making this, given the preponderance of celebration tracks herein. Come and Take It celebrates the Fourth Amendment gun ownership. Just Leave Me Alone espouses rugged individualism, while the aforementioned national anthem salutes the flag of his native USA. Consistency is another factor in making this a return to form. While not containing the plethora of A1 tracks of the first three 2K releases, Detroit Muscle doesn't have any weak spots to be found. The good time rock and roll abounds here, complete with fantastic guitar work, of course. Special mention has to be made for Winter, Spring, Summer, Fall, one of those great nuge instrumentals in the vein of Homebound from Cat Scratch Fever. Full of emotion and melody, this track encapsulates the spirit of the wild, which Ted so proudly embraces. Great stuff. So overall, a damn solid and fun release and definitely a bounce back from the previous debacle. I'm giving this an 8 out of 10. it a full discography review of uncle ted's solo stuff in under an hour while he has announced that his recently completed 2023 summer tour will be his final touring cycle ted has promised that he won't be laying down his guitar so more detroit muscle may be coming our way in the future so thanks for joining and remember to check in every monday for our new release mondays tuesdays we have our in 40 minutes curated playlists Wednesdays and Thursdays we have our live reviews and the odd Thursday we include our best of top tens. You know where to go www.themightydecibel.com. Have a great one, eh?